Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to CGI's second quarter fiscal 2021 conference call. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Mayor Yagi, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. Yagi. Thank you, Jacqueline, and good morning, everyone. With me to discuss CGI's second quarter conference call, uh, fiscal quarter fiscal 2021 results are George Schindler, our President and CEO, and Francois Boulanger, Executive Vice President and CFO. This call is being broadcast on CGI.com and recorded live at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, April 28, 2021. Supplemental slides, as well as the press release we issued earlier this morning, are available for download, along with our Q2 MDNA financial statements and accompanying notes, all of which have been filed with both CEDAR and EDGAR. Please note that some statements made on the call may be forward-looking. Actual events or results may differ materially from those expressed or implied, and CGI disclaims any intent or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statement, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. The complete safe harbor statement is available in both our MDNA and press release, as well as on CGI.com. We encourage our investors to read it in its entirety. We are reporting our financial results in accordance with International Financial Reporting Standards, or IFRS. As always, we will also discuss non-GAAP performance measures, which should be viewed as supplemental. The MDNA contains definitions of each one used in our reporting. All of the dollar figures expressed on this call are Canadian unless otherwise noted. I'll turn it over now to George to give a brief overview of Q2. Francois will then review our Q2 financials, and then George will comment on our operational highlights and strategic outlook. George? Thank you, Mayor, and good morning, everyone. We closed the first half of the fiscal year with strong second quarter results. Our team's performance, combined with the accelerating client demand for our end-to-end services, across every industry and geography, positions us well for a return to year-over-year growth in the second half of this year, beginning in Q3. In the quarter, we continued to deliver on our near-term plan to prioritize the preservation and expansion of shareholder value, once again sustaining EPS accretion and generating strong cash from operations. We also made investments in our build and buy strategy to fuel our future profitable growth for the benefit of all three stakeholders, our clients, members, and shareholders. The rising client demand we noted last quarter increased considerably during Q2, as demonstrated in our bookings, which were up over $1 billion compared to the same quarter last year. Demand for new digital and modernization projects was robust across nearly every geography and industry sector, particularly in retail and consumer services, financial services, and government. New business comprised nearly 40% of total awards in the quarter, 
up both sequentially and year over year. Included among the nearly $4 billion in contract awards during the quarter were numerous projects in the digital arena, such as a data modernization program with a U.S.-based global communications and media company. Through our consulting and systems integration services, we will help streamline and support the client's cloud-based data management platforms. An expansion and extension of our Trade360 IP engagement with one of Canada's top multinational banks. For this long-standing client, we will continue to support the digital transformation of their trade finance operations through numerous innovations, including blockchain enablement. And an expanded partnership with OP, Finland's largest financial services group. On this managed services engagement, we will collaborate with their insurance business to deliver advanced analytics and automation to support and enhance customer and employee experience, as well as generate cost savings. Taking a longer view, bookings over the past 12 months were up over the previous period by more than $1.7 billion. This reflects CGI's position as a partner of choice to serve clients' needs across a wide range of business transformation and digitization initiatives. In fact, our clients' trust in CGI's consultants is reflected in record high client satisfaction scores, and our pipeline is growing as a result, up nearly 20% globally, and strong across every geography and every service. The diversified mix of CGI's end-to-end services again contributed to our strong margins in the quarter as new, previously booked projects translated into positive sequential revenue trends across each service offering. As anticipated, our systems integration and consulting services revenue was up nearly 3% compared to Q1, driven by new digital projects, a growth trend we expect to continue. For example, in our U.S.-based human-centered design practice, which has grown over 30% year-over-year, we bring together user insights and technologies to help clients create engaging customer experiences. Demand remains strong for larger enterprise managed services engagements to integrate the full range of CGI services to help clients increase business agility, enhance customer experience, and reduce costs. From an IP perspective, revenue grew 4% compared to Q1 on the strength of new projects, while volumes are now beginning to recover in our transaction-based IP solutions, including those for payroll and travel-related services. Our solutions are industry-leading in areas such as ERP for central and local governments, banking business processes like trade, wealth, payments, and collections, end-to-end retail industry processes and future energy grid modernization solutions. CGI's portfolio of IP are highly configurable business platforms as a service that integrate with our end-to-end offerings and utilize provider-neutral cloud approaches, embedded security, and data privacy practices. For clients, our IP delivers business benefits while enabling a higher degree of flexibility and customization for their unique modernization and digitization needs. For shareholders, our portfolio of IP solutions delivers sustained high profitability through longer-term recurring revenue engagements. With this in mind, and in line with rising client demand, we made additional investments in the quarter to accelerate progress towards our IP30 initiative, which represents IP 
as a 30% target of total revenue. Specifically, we have dedicated a senior executive to be responsible for global IP strategy, sales, and innovation. Through collaboration with leaders across our client proximity and global delivery units, all with the aim to drive profitable growth. Now, I will turn it over to Francois to review our financial results. Thank you, George, and good morning, everyone. I'm happy to share with you the results of our second quarter, 2021. Overall, we are pleased with our results. Bookings were once again strong, and over the last few quarters, we continue to add to our sizable book of business. Revenues also continue to see improving growth trends, which, coupled with higher year-over-year margins, led to strong cash generation in the quarter. We delivered revenue of $3.1 billion, down 1.7% year-over-year on a constant currency basis. This is an improvement over last quarter, where we saw a 3.6% decrease year-over-year. Particular strength in revenue growth was seen in Central and Eastern Europe with growth of 5.9% on a constant currency basis. Asia-Pac delivered 4.7%, as well as Canada and U.S. Federal, both growing 1.9%, respectively. Given the current positive market dynamics and the strong bookings in the last few quarters, we would like to reiterate our expectation of returning to year-over-year revenue growth in the second half of fiscal 2021. Total bookings of $3.9 billion were up 40% year-over-year, representing a book-to-bill of 126% and lifting our trailing 12 months book-to-bill to 113%. It is also important to highlight that all of our geographic segments now have a trailing 12 months book-to-bill of more than 100%. I would like to call out a few geographies with strong bookings in the quarter, such as Central and Eastern Europe with a book-to-bill of 172%, Canada at 142%, and Western and Southern Europe at 139%, each of these seeing material improvement in new bookings, even in the midst of continued shutdowns in their economies due to COVID-19. New business was 38% of bookings, an increase from the previous quarter's 28%. Our global backlog remains healthy at $23.1 billion, or 1.9 times revenue, the vast majority of which is comprised of long-term managed services engagements. Adjusted EBIT in Q2 was $486 million, while EBIT margins increased to 15.8%, up 40 basis points compared to Q2 last year. The year-over-year increase was mainly due to a combination of more profitable business mix, lower discretionary expenses, and cost reductions. We saw strong margin improvements in the UK and US federal, with margins up 250 and 220 basis points, respectively, partially offset by lower margins in Western and Southern Europe, due to fewer billable days, and Scandinavia due to lower utilization. Our headcount has also increased by 1,000 professionals quarter over quarter as we invest in our business to respond to the continued improvement in client demand. 
Our effective tax rate in Q2 was 25.7%. This was the same when excluding integration and restructuring expenses and is within our expected range for the year. Net earnings were $341 million and diluted earnings per share were $1.34, representing an increase of 13.6% year over year. Excluding integration and restructuring costs, net earnings were $342 million for a margin of 11.1% and diluted earnings per share were $1.35 compared to $1.26 in the same quarter last year for an accretion of 7.1%. In the quarter, we continue to generate strong cash flows as cash provided by operating activities was $572.6 million or 18.6% of revenue, representing an increase of $176 million compared with Q2 last year. This improvement was driven by a DSO of 39 day, days compared to 44 days last quarter with the improved mix of services towards IP and managed services, along with strong delivery on SINC projects. For the last 12 months, cash provided by operating activities was $2.2 billion or 18.6% of revenue. In Q2, we invested $84 million back into our business, largely in IP and managed services engagements. We also bought back $747 million of our stock, canceling in the process 7.7 million shares of CGI. In addition, just this morning, we announced the acquisition of SenseCorp, which is in line with our buy strategy. We will remain disciplined in investing our cash and are ready to deploy our substantial capital capacity on accretive acquisitions. Net debt to capitalization slightly increased sequentially from 27% in Q1 to 31% at the end of March on increased stock buybacks. Buying back CGI stock has been an accretive and flexible way to return capital to shareholders. At the end of Q2, the company can purchase up to an additional 13 million shares under the current NCIV program. Looking ahead, our cash allocation priority remains the same investing in our business, pursuing accretive acquisition, and buying back our stock. With cash of $1.3 billion on hand and a $1.5 billion revolver that remains fully accessible, we have $2.8 billion readily available to pursue our build and buy profitable growth strategy. Now we'll turn the call back to George to further discuss the operations and outlook for our business and markets. George? Thank you, Francois. I will review the operations and market outlook in the context of the Voice of Our Clients program, which we initiated in the quarter as input to our annual strategic planning. This year, our leaders met with nearly 1,700 existing and new client executives in business and IT positions across every industry sector and geography where we operate. The conversations were in-depth discussions covering industry trends, business priorities, and IT priorities. These interview findings are shared with our clients to bring insights they can act on. And for CGI, they inform our business plans and investments. We completed discussions a few weeks ago, and not surprisingly, the early findings show a progression towards more defined digital strategies 
that address the complexity of enterprise-wide needs. There are three preliminary findings we heard from client executives. Optimizing operations is top of mind, with culture and IT supply chain modernization key areas to address. Environmental sustainability is now viewed as core to future value creation and meeting customer expectations for better, more innovative digital experiences remains of paramount importance. Business executives globally ranked optimizing operations as their top priority. They cited the need to break down silos and become more agile in order to better sense and respond to changing market dynamics. A key component of optimizing operations in the manufacturing industry focuses on smart factories, starting with an automation of the shop floor to unlock and act on data from product production machines that in many cases are decades old. For example, as part of a top German automaker's plan to address the impact of nationwide shutdowns, we are partnering on an ambitious enterprise-wide robotic process automation initiative. Through our implementation of factory-based automation solutions, our client will benefit from efficiency improvements and substantive cost savings. To best support manufacturers with the priority of optimizing operations, we continue to invest in offerings and expertise, including for data production, logistics, and consumption, as well as supply chain sustainability. In the banking industry, the pandemic has underscored the importance of rapid digitization for revenue growth and customer service. However, the pandemic has also highlighted the challenges that legacy systems present to achieving these benefits. As a result, operations optimization in banking institutions often centers on reducing technical debt and seamlessly integrating core systems with customer-facing digital solutions. This enables the banks to identify new product and service opportunities, build them quickly and cost-effectively, utilizing automation and low-code, no-code development, and deliver them in a secure, scalable way, often through the cloud. For example, we recently started a project with the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston and Vantage Bank of Texas on the FedNow pilot program that will create a new US-wide service for safe, efficient, and real-time payments. In response to this growing demand in banking, we are hiring and continuously developing subject matter expertise and deepening our technology partnerships. As well, we are investing in the creation and enhancement of our global banking IP solution suite to address end-to-end -end business processes. Globally, financial services demand is strong, as evidenced by sequential revenue growth of just over 4% and a 110% book-to-bill in the quarter. Moving to the second key finding of our client interviews, more than half of executives strongly believe that environmental sustainability is now core to their organization's ability to create stakeholder value. This finding validates what we see with clients across industries who are focused on sustainability in terms of their own organizations, as well as their customer-focused products, services, and partnerships. This shift is most pronounced in the energy and utility sector where organizations increasingly recognize the need to address climate risk by re-engineering their businesses to implement green operating practices and demonstrating a sustainability commitment to their customers. We are seeing digital technologies and data play an important role in addressing these priorities. 
In Q2, for example, we announced the expansion of our work with UK network operators to enable the decarbonized energy grid of the future. Our consultants are collaborating with Western Power Distribution to build a digital network model using data from core operational systems. This approach uses CGI's integrated network model, which is at the heart of our Open Grid 360 platform and uniquely positions CGI to help clients manage the energy transition. We also see this convergence of data and sustainability in some of our space industry work. For instance, we kicked off a project in the quarter with the European Space Agency to develop a new service combining recent advances in Earth observation, machine learning, and cloud computing to help the agency better map and monitor the impact of wildfires on people and to the planet. As space-based data becomes more integral to helping clients solve everyday challenges, we will continue to leverage our global community of practice for the space sector to help clients across industries address new challenges and opportunities associated with areas like 5G technologies and cybersecurity. Lastly, client executives reinforced again this year that improving customer experience remains a top trend as well as a priority for both business and IT. However, for the first time this year, the importance to deliver new innovative products and services emerged within the top five business priorities as clients focus on meeting the digital-first customer and citizen expectations that deepened during the pandemic. Nowhere is this digital mandate more urgent than for our retail and consumer services clients. Innovative initiatives launched during the early stages of the pandemic are now being assessed for further optimization, scalability, and improvements to the customer experience. As announced in the quarter, we are proud to kick off a new partnership with France-based Fashion Cube for a 10-year managed services engagement to help unite and transform the technology capabilities of their six leading fashion brands in the European market. With several new retail industry awards in the quarter, our bookings are up year over year and we see growing confidence among retailers worldwide as vaccine rollouts proceed. Our largest industry segment, government, is also where we see clients accelerating digitization to enhance the citizen experience and optimize their IT supply chain. We see this in our long-term innovative smart cities and connected community, communities partnerships. For example, with the recently awarded project with the Bavarian State Ministry of Justice. Under this long-term managed services agreement, we will partner with the ministry on a range of IT modernization initiatives in support of citizen services and upgrades to their digital employee workplace. In our government work around the world, we also see increasing investments in a digital agenda to support various infrastructure spending initiatives and in modernizing IT supply chains to better support e-government. CGI has taken an active role in these digital agendas, including through our industry expertise in areas such as environment, health, education, and with technology skills in cybersecurity, secure cloud, and microservices architecture. Consistent with our results over the past year, our government work continues to grow, with a Q2 booked a bill of 116%. More findings and insights from the voice of our clients' discussions will be published in the coming weeks. Now more than ever, clients will turn to partners who can bring the full end-to-end -end range of services to help them envision and realize the future. 
Our investments in relevant offerings, including IP, will enable CGI to be a partner and expert of choice and will drive profitable growth at a faster pace. Importantly, our investments are also focused on our people. This includes accelerating project rotations to enable professional development and hiring at all levels, both in client proximity and in our global delivery centers of excellence, onshore and offshore. We also ramped up our virtual training with employees completing over half a million courses since our new online university launched this time last year. In addition, thousands of consultants across the company participated in emerging technology boot camps to increase their proficiency in line with client demand. Our investments in our people are making a difference. Their satisfaction and engagement is at an all-time high. Billable utilization is above our target. Turnover remains below our industry peers. Hiring referrals are up year over year, and 86% of our consultants and professionals are owners of CGI. During the quarter, we also published our Corporate Social Responsibility Report, which details our progress in line with the UN Global Compact and advancing our CSR initiatives across three key areas, people, communities, and climate. As we look ahead, we also continue to pursue the buy side of our profitable growth strategy, with a growing number of active discussions in the pipeline and new candidates identified during the voice of our clients' discussions. As Francois referenced, this morning we announced the acquisition of SenseCorp, which will deepen our work across the U.S., Midwest, and Texas with clients in the public and commercial sectors. I would like to warmly welcome the nearly 300 new consultants who will be joining CGI. We continue to have the operational strength and financial capacity to move quickly with discipline on the right buy-side opportunities. In closing, let me reiterate our positive outlook for the second half of this year. We are proud to be one of the few firms with the scale, reach, capabilities, and commitment to be our client's global partner of choice. Our strategic aspiration remains to double the size of the company over the next five to seven years. Thank you for your interest and support. Let's go to the questions down there. Thank you, George. Uh, and Jacqueline, uh, we're ready to take any questions that might be in the queue. Certainly. To ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Your first question comes from Jason Kuppelberg from Bank of America. Your line is open. Hey, Jordan Francois. This is Kathy Chan on for Jason. Thanks for taking my question. So first, I wanted to ask about bookings. Obviously, you guys had a very strong quarter of bookings. Could you just, you know, unpack that a little bit and um, can we continue to kind of expect to see, you know, a strong bookings number in, in the back half of the year as well? Yep. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Kathy. Uh, absolutely. We uh, we had very strong bookings. They were up in every service uh, offering that we have, and uh, most pronounced, as I mentioned on the uh, on the opening remarks, in uh, in financial services, uh, government, and our manufacturing, retail, and distribution uh, uh, industry sectors. But every geography uh, has now booked a bill on a trailing 12-month basis over 100%. And uh, it really comes from two factors. Um, demand is up uh, considerably, and we do expect that to continue. 
but it's also our ability to bring innovative ideas um, and offerings to our clients relevant by industry. And uh, we are doing that by industry, and, and that makes for a very compelling value proposition. And more importantly than ever before, the fact that we back that up with a very strong delivery track record, is, uh, which, which gives our clients confidence, but also that the uncertainty that they can do that with speed, which is becoming more and more important. So uh, it's really a combination of the demand and our ability to, uh, to really bring those compelling offerings to our clients. And again, it's happening across every one of our geographies, uh, all of our industries, and uh, each of our service offerings. And we do expect that, Kathy, to, uh, to continue. As I mentioned, uh, it, it's very clear that, uh, that we're still in the early stages of, uh, of the digital transformation that many of our clients still have to go through. Got it, got it, very helpful. And then I wanted to ask a question on margins. So, you know, how should we think about margins for the second half? Obviously, you guys are expecting top lines, you know, to return to positive growth, which obviously should, you know, translate to a positive for margins. But can you kind of walk through some of the other pieces that we should be thinking about just in terms of, you know, the cadence of, of margins that we should expect in, in the, you know, back half of the year? Sure. Uh, so yes, we uh, we will get some uh, some efficiencies uh, associated with uh, with the growth and the and the scale of that growth, but uh, but we also uh, we're, we're, we will continue to see an improving revenue mix uh, of recurring revenue. Uh, you heard me talk about some of the investments we're making in our intellectual property that will bring more recurring revenue, as well as uh, bookings were up significantly in our managed services, and that brings. A, uh, an improved uh, margin mix. Of course, systems integration and consulting will continue uh, to grow, but, uh, but the other uh, items will grow faster and that will, uh, that will improve uh, our margins in a nice steady pace. You also, we have opportunities for geographic improvements. Uh, and so we'll make some of those, uh, those changes as we go out through, through the year and uh, we should see some improving uh, models there. Um, on, the, on the other side, uh, obviously, as we go back uh, with the vaccine rollouts, as we look to uh, return, uh, some of our people will, will probably go to, uh, to uh, it'll be a transition and a hybrid model, but as we uh, start returning, uh, there will be some additional costs that will offset some of the benefits, but overall, uh, we see an improving uh, opportunity on margins. Okay, perfect. And just a quick last question. Um, obviously, you guys announced, you know, SenseCore, and that's going to bring about 300 employees. Is there anything, you know, you can share about, you know, how, how much revenue that generates or how fast it's growing? I mean, is it fair to assume that, you know, it closes the next couple of weeks and brings, you know, about a, a half point of revenues? And is that already baked into your expectations of the returning to positive growth in the back half of the year? Yeah, that's already baked into our uh, expectations. Uh, as you know, these uh, we work on these uh, these inorganic uh, growth opportunities for uh, for for some time. Uh, go through a pretty rapid due diligence, uh, but it, it takes a little bit of time uh, to get them over the line. Because again, we're really focused on the culture aspects. We couldn't be happier with the uh, cultural alignment with SenseCorp. And and I'll just remind you, uh, we we did one uh, right at the end of last quarter. Uh, closed at the announced at the beginning of uh, this quarter, uh, HMB in uh, in the Midwest as well, and uh, that's already uh, driving some uh, organic growth in addition to the inorganic growth. So 
it, it, uh, we, we're, we're very pleased with the uh, opportunity here uh, to, to merge the two companies. We think we've got some really good uh, opportunities with new logos in areas we weren't as, uh, as big in and, uh, and strong in. So that's, uh, that's very good for us to deliver the CGI end-to-end services to those clients. But we also get some very good capabilities, uh, digital capabilities, cloud capabilities uh, from the, uh, from the uh, SenseCorp uh, 300 members, uh, new members to CGI. So we're very, uh, we're very excited about this. Okay, perfect. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Your next question comes from Thanos Mistropolis from BMO. Your line is open. Uh, good morning. Um, hi, George. And uh, I appreciate the uh, caller commentary on, on the industry dynamic. Um, so when I hear those comments, um, to me, a lot of those initiatives sound like um, SINC work. So just want to reconcile that with your comment about how um, I think you said you see the recurring mix growing. Um, even though it sounds like SINC is quite active, is that a function of just you know, the bookings recently and the conversion of those? Or is it also that as you look at the pipeline, um, there still is a very, very heavy weighting of uh, managed services despite the, the strength you're seeing in SINC? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the managed services bookings were very strong. I was highlighting some of the, uh, the digital opportunities, which I've often described as kind of the tip of the spear. Um, and, and it's what gives us the capabilities uh, but the managed services are still very strong. They were uh, a significant part of our uh, bookings. We had six managed services deals this uh, quarter, over $100 million. Uh, I highlighted some of those, OP, uh, Bavarian Justice, Fashion Cube, others. So uh, very, uh, very strong bookings on the managed services side. And we see an increasing demand on the IP side. We had a, we had a big booking with, uh, uh, with the state of Virginia uh, with our procurement solution there. Um, and a managed services deal. Uh, again, these are long-term deals, so I'm, I'm very bullish on the, on the recurring revenue increasing, but, but equally bullish on our ability to deliver the digital projects that, uh, that more, more importantly and, and, uh, and uh, are accelerating uh, into the managed services opportunities. I've been mentioning that for a while. The managed services opportunities are not just about legacy anymore. It's about the digital transformations, and so we're, we're doing both. Great. And you said speed is becoming more important. So is that translating into uh, shorter sales cycles and or you know, maybe a quicker um, contract ramp when you do get a booking? Uh, what's the dynamic there? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet, Thanos. Uh, that's, uh, that would be nice. But uh, what I see is once they make the decision, uh, it's very important for them to uh, deliver some of the results. And, and sometimes that's done in, in phases. Uh, they want quick wins, and then uh, and then that that's considerably delivered uh, through a period of time, more in an agile sense uh, and, and model. The the certainty and the, and the speed though of delivering those is where where our delivery track record really comes in. That's where the trust comes in. Great, thanks, George. I'll pass the line. Yep. Your next question comes from Stephanie Price from CIBC. Your line is open. Good morning. Thanks for the color on some of the digitization initiatives. Was just curious, wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that around the percentage of revenue coming from IP in the quarter and how you kind of think of that timeline for IP30. Um, and maybe even given the increasing demand, do you think that you can get to IP30 organically or do you see IP factoring into the M&A strategy here? 
Yeah, so uh, the, the, the dedication of an executive to IP uh, is really going to give us some more focus uh, in, in a couple ways. One, on the IPs that are mo have the most compelling value propositions now, um, and, and we'll do that by industry. And then we'll invest in bringing them to the broader market. What we're looking at doing, Stephanie, is replicating what has, has proven to be working in managed services. We'll have a central team of, of experts uh, and sales capability, but they'll be embedded in the proximity units. That way we get the focus, but we also get the benefit of the, of the proximity. And uh, that's really uh, been proven to be working uh, well. And yes, by having that focus, we'll be more focused on the inorganic growth opportunities in, uh, in intellectual property. And uh, the whole reason to do this is to accelerate. We've been stuck. Uh, around 21, 22% uh, for the last uh, several quarters. Uh, we think we're entering a market uh, opportunity where we can, in fact, uh, accelerate that, and that's, uh, that's exactly what we're planning to do. That's helpful. And then the mix of new client bookings was strong in the quarter. Just wondering how we should think about a sales environment into these new customers here. Yeah, so the, uh, you know, the, the new client bookings, that is, uh, that is significant. Uh, I think it does come back to uh, that value proposition, the compelling value proposition that our talented teams are, are, uh, are able to put in front of our clients. I mentioned uh, maybe a, a couple quarters ago, interestingly enough, uh, clients more than ever are open to these new ideas and new partners, and uh, that's where some of that new work is coming from. I'd also caution you that, uh, you know, bookings are, uh, are lumpy, and so, uh, uh, you know, you have to look at it on a trailing 12-month basis. But having said that, uh, you know, it, it really is those compelling uh, offerings that we're putting in front. And then there's the demand side of it. And the demand side is, uh, is strengthening, and it's also strengthening in the, uh, in the areas that are in our sweet spot as far as uh, really bringing uh, a broader, more holistic IT modernization. There's fewer uh, partners that can deliver that and, uh, and uh, very few. Uh, that can that can do that with the certainty that CGI can do. That's helpful. And then just one final quick one for me. You mentioned that utilization is above your internal targets. Just curious how you see utilization trending and whether you think you could keep to maybe a bit of a higher target just given the hybrid work model you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Well, we certainly have experienced some uh, some higher utilization uh, given the, uh, the the better efficiency, quite frankly, of people being uh, able to work and, and not be on a, on a plane or a car or a train uh, going to clients. And so uh, certainly we have plans uh, to, to uh, capture and keep some of those uh, opportunities. It allows us to bring subject matter experts to our clients faster. They're more open to allowing for that. Uh, but we're not going to abandon the proximity model. In fact, uh, it strengthens our proximity model. So utilization, I think, will, will remain above some of our targets, but maybe not quite as high as it is right now. Thank you very much. Yep. Your next question comes from Richard C. from National Bank Financial. Your line is open. Hi, Richard. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, uh, thanks for sharing that voice of the client uh, uh, data. That was actually quite uh, helpful. Can you maybe uh, talk about how those um, results compared to what they would have been sort of pre-COVID? Um, you know, I guess the question is more along the lines of, you know, how much is really 
um, been accelerated by COVID in terms of order of magnitude here? Yeah, no, th thank you. Well, obviously, environmental sustainability is was not really on the uh, on the list uh, pre-COVID, and you know that's not just COVID, but I think uh, many say that uh, uh, breathing the clean air uh, during COVID has uh, has given uh, given more impetus to to the uh, the realities of this. But uh, but I think in general, uh, you know, the the IT modernization. Uh, has definitely uh, risen, and I think that's a recognition and a direct um, output from the pandemic and the acceleration of digitization. Uh, many of the of our of our clients are recognizing that uh, maybe there's some technical debt that has been built up that they thought that they could get around because they had a, a slightly longer runway to get there. And I think that uh, the compression and the acceleration has caused IT modernization, which is why I mentioned it's kind of in our sweet spot. And so it's, uh, it's, it's very good and is driving some of, uh, some of our bookings. The other new one, and I think I highlighted this, Richard, and I think this comes up again from the, uh, from the fact of the, uh, of the pandemic, is a business of priority around introducing new products and offerings. Uh, you know, again, uh, when, when, you're in a, when you're in a more steady state, uh, that becomes less important, the pandemic, uh, caused many to have to do that, and what they realized is they were able to do that, and uh, and now the uh, the opportunity gets uh, gets even uh, bigger for them to do that. And of course, IT is the uh, is the big driver of all that. Okay, so I guess there probably can be sort of this view that we're kind of in this new cycle of digital transformation, much like there was a cycle at one point for for outsourcing, and, and you've been sort of in this business uh, you know for some time, like having sort of been there through that outsourcing cycle, do you think digital transformation is a, a bigger opportunity than uh, what outsourcing was? Yeah, I really do because, uh, it, you know, done correctly, digital tr transformation does two things, right? It, uh, it, it gives a better a growth opportunity for, uh, for new offerings, new clients, but it also uh, drives some, uh, some cost savings. And so it's a it's a twofer, whereas outsourcing was really uh, more around the, uh, the the cost benefits. Of course, you could still reinvest those, but this is now a tighter linkage, which makes I think the business cases uh, broader, which makes the uh, the opportunity bigger for us. Okay, and then just the last one for for me, um, you know, we're obviously all sort of fortunate here to to be kind of working and and thriving, so to speak. But if you look at the market today in the market that you're in, the competition for talent, I imagine, is quite high. And uh, you know, that's an essential part of your business. So what's your ability to attract the talent these days? You know, are you having to sort of pay up or what kind of incentives are, are sort of being uh, offered here to kind of bring that uh, important talent on board? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, today's, uh, today's workforce is, is not just interested in uh, in the in the dollars and cents, they're very interested in joining a, uh, a socially minded company. Uh, certainly, our ownership model and our, our core values uh, play into that uh, in a big way. Uh, of course, uh, what we're doing in in, uh, in corporate social responsibility plays in a big way. What we're doing with the environment and our pledges plays in a big way. But also, uh, they're looking for an opportunity to grow their careers and make a difference. And so the, we're, we're focused a lot on career training and advancement. I mentioned the, uh, the half a million courses in CJ Academia, the emerging technology boot camps 
et cetera. That's, that becomes a big, uh, a big part of this. That's why I highlighted the, uh, the high satisfaction scores that we have, uh, because it really starts with retention. And, and what I mean by that is uh, then we, we move that into uh, a, an opportunity to, uh, to have uh, employee referrals. We get our, our, our biggest influx of, of people through uh, referrals. And, uh, and right behind that is through, um, through hiring uh, new, uh, new students from uh, colleges and universities. Our student training hires have already surpassed last year's mark. And, uh, and that's a really important element because that then allows the backfill and others to continue to grow their career. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. Of course, our onshore centers of excellence um, have, uh, tend to have a lower turnover rate. That helps us. And all that uh, allowed us to, to add a net of 1,000 people in the quarter. But there's one other element that, that I'd add to that, and uh, I, I do think that we need to continue to get creative to, in order to, to continue to build uh, a talent, uh, uh, talent base. And uh, you know I've, I've talked before about uh, the seven campuses that we have in, uh, in France. Uh, we call it a UDEV school to attract non-traditional uh, individuals into IT, and uh, it's, a, it's a combination of apprenticeship and, uh, and partnering with, uh, with different uh, universities. We'd like to expand that to, uh, to right here in Canada and then to, uh, to other locations. You gotta get creative on this, and it's not, you know, I apologize for the, for the long-winded answer, but it's not a one-size-fits-all. You've gotta really think about this holistically, and uh, that's exactly what we're doing. That's great. Thanks, guys. Uh -huh. Your next question comes from Paul Treber from RBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Oh, hey, Paul. Thanks, and good morning. Uh, yes, you, you spent a lot of time speaking about digital and then also IP. With CGI, you, you give IP revenue the mix there, but typically your peers give uh, uh, a sort of a broader metric of uh, digital revenue. Should we think about, you know, your digital, CGI's digital mix being higher than just IT? And then, you know, why have you found it uh, difficult or is it ambiguous to give digital uh, as a percent of revenue, um, you know, just to make uh, comparisons easier versus peers? Yeah, uh, thanks for the question, Paul. So the, to, your first, uh, to the first part of your question, uh, no, digital, digital is not, does not equate just to our IP revenue. Our, uh, our, our digital, and that's why I highlighted uh, this quarter some of those uh, digital projects that are squarely in the SINC space, not in the IP space. But again, the reason we don't break that out is that uh, digital is involved in our IP, digital is involved in their SINC, and digital is involved in a lot of our outsourcing uh, contracts. I, I mentioned the, uh, the OP engagement. A big part of that is, uh, is digital modernization of their core platform. But it's, it's, it's wrapped in a longer-term managed services agreement. This is the CGI value proposition. Uh, so it, it's, it would be inexact at, at best. Um, but a, a large percentage of our SINC business uh, is, is in the digital arena. And, uh, and increasingly, a large segment of our, um, of our managed services uh, includes digital. And that's what I was trying to, to, uh, to get across today. And then when you look at like the competitive landscapes in digital, I mean, how do you how do you see uh, CGI's competitive advantages in digital? Like in particular, like like when 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 you win deals in digital, you know, why do customers select CGI over peers? And then conversely, 
if you're not selected, you know, why typically is that the case? Yeah, well, I, I would say on the uh, on the uh, selection side, it's it's absolutely part and parcel to what I was just describing. It's when it's embedded in a broader relationship, uh, a broader uh, service offering uh, through our end-to-end services. And increasingly, that's what our clients are looking for. They're not looking for as many of those smaller point solutions. Uh, this is why IT modernization rose in the, uh, in the current voice of the, of the client, voice of our client's uh, information. It's why I highlighted it. It's, what's, uh, it's more what's going on right now, and there's fewer players that can do that. It's also what's driving some of the, uh, some of the M&A opportunities. And this is also for me, the, uh, you, know, you mentioned inorganic opportunities in IP. I mean, should we think about that as, as CGI increasingly looking at acquiring pure play software companies, um, or do you see it as sort of IP-enabled IP services companies? And then, you know, how do you look at balancing your own IP versus, you know, being viewed as a, a trusted advisor to clients? Yeah, it's more of the, uh, it's more of the latter, and uh, it's exactly what we, uh, what we got. We got some nice intellectual property with the CISIS, uh merger. We got some nice uh, uh, IP from the METI merger, and uh, we'll look to continue and find more of those types of opportunities uh, going forward. So. That's, uh, that's an important uh, dimension of our inorganic growth around, uh, around IP. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Your next question comes from Deepak Kashal from Stiefel GNT. Your line is open. Oh, hi. Good morning, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, George, you know, you gave some good color on, on the retail side and the financial services side. Uh, last quarter, you mentioned the healthcare industry. I'm just wondering how that is progressing. And, and really, a bigger picture here, you know, through this COVID pandemic, what kind of organic growth or new opportunities has has this afforded you guys in the healthcare industry in particular? Yeah. Well, health uh, health actually was uh, was a, a revenue uh, growth engine this uh, quarter. I was talking more about some of the the future stuff, but uh, yes. Health continues to be a big driver, and quite frankly, both on the uh, on the government side and on the uh, on the private sector side, and and even the linkage between the two. And so, where we're we're really uh, putting some uh, investments on health is in the government side because they're going to play a heavier and heavier role. Uh, having said that, uh, we've had very uh, strong growth in the life sciences space as they look at uh, continued automation. And, uh, and then we also, obviously, telemedicine will be a, a big uh, opportunity in the future. I think uh, that's just we scratched the surface uh, during this uh, unfortunate uh, pandemic, uh, but I think there's going to be plenty of new opportunities around telemedicine. And again, um, uh, IT and technology and data play a big role there, as does uh, data privacy, cybersecurity, et cetera. So uh, I think there will be a lot of activity in this space. Um, uh, I didn't, uh, uh, maybe I neglected to highlight that because I did that last quarter, but uh, yeah, the, the, thanks for asking the question because it's a big opportunity for us. Thanks. No, I appreciate that. So it sounds like as, as the economies open up, you, you've got these vertical markets like lighting up, so, so financial services, obviously trying to yep. deal with, with, you know, blockchain and modernization. You have yep. retail, manufacturing, even you mentioned energy. When, when yep. you think of 12 to 18 months out, um, what other 
vertical market should we think about potentially lighting up, or do you think about being proactive in today to drive you know momentum in bookings you know in, in the next year? Yeah, well, you know, one uh, one that you didn't mention is uh, space. I, I, I highlighted that a little bit. I think there's going to be a lot of activity in the space sector, not just where it is today in government, but uh, I think it's going to explode even more uh, the, in the future, um, just some of the opportunities around data, uh, leveraging and, uh, and harnessing the data uh, that's available there. Uh, I think that um, uh, education, is clearly going to be an area that will uh, will continue to uh, blossom. It's uh, certainly been hurt, uh, but I think there's going to be a lot of uh, spending that's going to go in there. Um, uh, some other uh, some other opportunities. I think. Uh, well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned energy, um, but also uh, you, you mentioned uh, financial services. Focus more on the banks right now, but I think insurance is also an opportunity uh, that's ripe uh, to maybe even leapfrog. Or some of the uh, some of the other industries have been. So these are some of the areas we're also looking at. Okay, that's helpful. Thanks. How could I forget about space? I guess we're all going to the moon again, and maybe Mars. <laughs> so thanks again for taking my questions. Okay. Uh, uh, stay safe. All the best. Sure. Thanks. Again, if you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Kevin Krishnaratni from Desjardins Securities. Your line is open. Hey there. Uh, good morning. Wonder, wonder if you could talk about uh, your your partner relationship specifically within SaaS and cloud vendors. Now, I know you're I know you're vendor agnostic, but just given some of the momentum in space from cloud, you know the cloud providers who seem to be pushing new programs and initiatives to help say, uh, you know drive sales of their own products. What are like what are you seeing, and how does that tie into the level of you know unique IP that you're building when you're leveraging other tech? Just I'm just curious yeah. about your thoughts there. Yeah, no, that's uh, thanks for the question. I did uh, I did highlight that uh, we're putting more and more emphasis on those uh, on those technology partnerships, uh, but uh, in in a way that is still um, appropriate for our clients because uh, different clients have different needs. They have different partnerships, and as a systems integrator, we need to be bringing the the partnerships in uh, in lockstep with them. Having said that, uh, we've established uh, partnerships. With, uh, with all of the major cloud providers. Uh, we have different uh, executives that uh, run each of those uh, partnerships so that we can, uh, we can maintain the, the separation. Uh, and we're investing in those partnerships, in, in many cases uh, co-creating with, uh, with some of those, uh, some of those uh, providers. And it doesn't just end with, uh, with, the, um, with the cloud providers. It obviously extends into a number of the, uh, of the platform Platform providers, so uh, it's very uh, it's a very uh, important opportunity for systems integrators. And then, as it, as it relates to our own intellectual property, uh, of course, we want to build our, our our intellectual property to both be uh, agnostic, but uh, also architected in a way to leverage and build upon uh, those uh, those platform providers. And uh, and so we're doing just that. So it's it's a nice. Uh, it's a nice synergistic uh, opportunity, and again, the, the driver is what's best for our clients. That, that's really helpful. And you know, on that on the IP, there were some questions on mix of IP and mix of digital. Have you have you talked about maybe another way thinking about mix of tech? Uh, you know, for example, SaaS. Have you talked about the level of uh, SaaS that's running through your business, whether that's your own or or, or vendor SaaS? 
Yeah, well, I mean, on our, on our own, uh, I can tell you that uh, well over half of our uh, intellectual property is sold in a, in a SaaS basis. Um, I don't have the other number. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can look into that. Uh, obviously, it's a it's a it's an important trend, uh, and yet we're we're seeing a mix. Uh, the reason it's not 100% of our IP is is sold in that way is uh, is uh, there still is a need for differentiation. And, uh, and, and some clients, uh, some of our largest enterprise clients, uh, look at that a little bit differently. So, uh, but, but I could certainly look at that as well. Okay, uh, very good. Thank you. Uh, just one last one for me then, just on, on vertical, thoughts on vertical. Uh, you, know, you see uh, in, in, the, in the last few quarters, retail uh, and MRD have obviously you know, contributed to some of the revenue softness, but you did see a nice pickup uh, in, the, in the retail and the bookings. When do we start to see some of that translate to, to revenue. Do you see that in Q3? Is that more of a Q4 uh, dynamic? Yeah, well, in terms uh, of revenue growth. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're uh, we're as I mentioned in my remarks, we we definitely are uh, are going to see revenue growth uh, globally uh, across the uh, the company in uh, in Q3, which is right in line with uh, with our plan, our expectations, and what we uh, what we talked about. Um, there are some some areas that are accelerating faster and uh, than others. And, and I'll remind you, some of the uh, some of the growth is going to come from bookings, not just from this past quarter, but uh, we've had strong bookings the last three quarters uh, in uh, in a lot of these areas. So uh, it's going to come online at uh, at different levels. But uh, MRD is uh, is recovering um, in uh, in certain areas. And uh, you know, I'll also remind you if you look at the uh, at the um, uh, the segment level revenue growth, we did have growth. In uh, Central and Eastern Europe, in the uh, in the quarter, and they have heavy uh, manufacturing, uh, retail, and distribution, uh, particularly on the manufacturing side. So, uh, you know, we're we're, we're seeing uh, we're seeing opportunities for growth. Great to hear. Uh, thanks a lot. I'll pass the line. Okay. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, we're running uh, late here in the, in, in, on the call, so. Uh, I just wanted to remind everyone that uh, a replay of the call will be available either via our website or by dialing 1-855-859-2056 and using the passcode 616-9566. As well, a podcast of this call will be available for download within a few hours. Uh, if you have any questions, you can direct them to me at uh, 514-415-3651. Thank you, George and Francois, and uh, thank you, everyone, for participating in today's call. Uh, hope, to, hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You're, you may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.